0: You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. He is risen. Oh, man, we've been saying that for a couple hundred years as a church. And uh, not, not our church. We've been around for like a year and a half. But um, <laughs> the church over the last couple hundred years, we've been saying this statement. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And it's a declaration on Easter Sunday of this fundamental truth that we believe. That Jesus is alive. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you believe about God, about faith, about life, all those kind of things. But here's what we believe. We do not worship a God dead, uh, sorry, a, a God that is dead. We do not worship uh, a God who is far away. But we have a God who came close in the person of Jesus. A God who uh, lived among us. A God who died. And a God who rose from the grave. And he's still alive today. We believe he ascended to the Father. He didn't just end up in a grave. You can't find his bones somewhere in Jerusalem. I was in Jerusalem, all right? It's highly contested. It might be the Holy Sepulcher. It might be this over here. And the reason they don't know is because there's not a body. And that is what we believe. We believe that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, and, uh, and that is why Easter Sunday is so good. Now, it is amazing to think that just a few months ago, Jesus was a baby, and now he's a 33-year-old man, you know? This is <laughs> remarkable. My, my daughter still hasn't fully grasped that reality yet. Uh, her Grammy got her this Easter book, and she pulled out the Easter book, and, and Jesus was an adult man. And she kept saying, like, oh, it's Jesus' daddy, right? And it's like she's, like, just not getting it. And then she started asking, like, where's baby Jesus, right? And I was like, uh, well, he was a baby. I know it's kind of confusing a couple months ago, and now he's a man. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it is funny in the church calendar how in just a few months, we, we begin to retell the story of Jesus each year, as a baby who came and lived among us, who did many miracles, who died for us on a cross, which we talked about on Good Friday, and three days later arose from the dead, we believe that he is risen. He is risen. We've been in a series called Behold, and this word behold is actually, uh, it's used in the Bible 1,298 times. And it's this Greek word, edo, which the literal translation means, be sure to see. Be sure to notice. Or as I like to describe it, don't miss this, all right? Don't miss it. And we've been going uh, through the Easter story, the days just before Jesus died and rose. And we've been highlighting and focusing in on moments that led up to the cross and the resurrection. And this Sunday, expectedly, we are focusing in on a moment that we want you to behold, the resurrection of Jesus. And a particular account, an account from an eyewitness, someone named John, he was a disciple of Jesus, he was close to Jesus, and he recorded in history this account of what took place around 2,023 years ago. This moment that Jesus rose from the grave, and it's found in John chapter 20. We're going to see that Jesus actually appeared to a woman named Mary, Mary Magdalene, not his mother, but to to a woman named Mary Magdalene who was part of the followers, part of the group of believers that followed Jesus, and she was there right to the bitter end. We're going to see her in a garden. We're going to see her weeping at a tomb, and we're going to see her encounter Jesus after the cross. And so, if you're willing... If you're able, uh, can we stand as we read God's word this morning, this eyewitness account of the resurrection of Jesus? John chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 11. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and another at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and I will get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and she cried out, Rabboni, which, mean, which is Hebrew for Teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, thank you for today. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday. We believe that you are alive and we believe that you appeared to Mary. But for those of us who do not believe or are struggling to believe, God, would you help our unbelief this morning that we too could say, I have seen the Lord and we could share this message. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. You may be seated. I wanna set the stage. It's early Sunday morning. A few days before, Jesus has been crucified and died. The disciples have fled. The women were there at the cross. History tells us may have helped to bring Jesus off the cross and prepare him for burial. And Mary, who's just so committed to her Lord, she's mourning. And in many cultures, they actually do this. They mourn over the body. They shed tears over the body. And Mary perhaps has come to shed tears over her Lord, to spend just more time with her friend, her teacher, the person she had spent years with. And the body is gone. She's disturbed. She's afraid. She's sad. She's asking, where have you put them? They've taken the body of my Lord. She's mourning. She's in despair. She encounters some angels. It seems like, Either this is totally normal to her, or she doesn't realize they're angels. She encounters Jesus, but she thought he was the gardener. She asks, where have you put the body? But then she has this appearance where she sees Jesus alive and well before her. She hears her name. We don't want you to miss this moment this Easter Sunday. We don't want you to miss what is taking place here. Mary, it's, it's so interesting because she misidentifies Jesus. And I was asking myself, like, why could she not tell it was Jesus? She had just spent years with him. And I even considered, I was like, well, maybe she was just so overcome with, you know, tears and, and grief that she just couldn't see him. Maybe her eyes were so welled up with tears she couldn't see him. But it's just odd to me that she misidentifies him, that she doesn't recognize him. This is Kind of common in resurrection appearances, for whatever reason, people not recognizing the Lord. It's funny, uh, I was thinking about misidentifying people. And uh, for those of you who know me well, you know that I'm a wild sleepwalker, okay? (laughs) Just crazy, all right? Some of you have testimony to this fact in this room uh, from youth retreats and conferences and events and all this kind of stuff. You've experienced it. Dave has experienced this firsthand. It's terrifying, right? My wife, Jessica, has experienced this. She is a poor soul. Please pray for her. Many times in the middle of the night, I think she's a robber. I think she's an animal. Uh, I I just, I, I don't think it's her. There was even one time really early on in our marriage, like three days into it, we're in Mexico, we're, we're, you know, we're at a resort, we're married, this is just so wonderful, and I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm having this whole scene where I believe that there's iguanas everywhere, um, and then I look at her, and I say, Callum? Which is the name of my brother, which is really funny, <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I thought she was my brother just a number of days into marriage, uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Which, like, you know, he's a handsome guy, but kind of offensive, right? Uh, Why did she mistaken who he was? And why did she think he was the gardener? I just, it's kind of odd to me as I started, that line right in the middle of this account just stuck out to me as I was preparing why did she think he was the gardener? I began kind of digging and going down a little bit of a rabbit trail, rabbit hole this Easter as I was trying to figure out why. Why, why did she think he was the gardener? And why did John write this down? <laughs> it's just kind of an odd detail. But I think there's something deeper here. I think there's something that we shouldn't miss as we look at this account. There's something about the fact that she believed Jesus to be the gardener this idea that Jesus was the gardener has inspired art, especially in the 15th and 16th century. You can see these pictures here where they started to depict Jesus as a gardener. Here he is with a shovel, okay? Uh, he's got a spade in this one. And if you look at the last one here, and we can pause here, he's holding his shovel, and, uh, and he's even wearing a gardener's hat from that era, okay? One commentator, Joanne Brandt, in her commentary on John, she's a theologian, a writer, uh, she was hypothesizing about this idea. Why did she believe Jesus to be the gardener? And she said, well, we know that Jesus left his, his burial clothing in the tomb. So perhaps, if we use our imagination, the only thing Jesus could find to wear was the gardener's clothes, which, I, you know, perhaps those of you from more traditional background might find this a little bit offensive, but I think it's kind of funny. Jesus rises from the grave, okay, just imagine this. He's taking off his burial clothes, and he's naked. <laughs> and he's trying to find some clothing. It's dawn. He's walking around the garden, right? <laughs> and the only thing he can find is some gardening clothes from the gardener's shed. I don't know. We're just hypothesizing at this point. But perhaps this is meant more than just to inspire art. Perhaps this small detail is actually meant to inspire us. Inspire us to understand and to see something deeper about Jesus this Easter. Something deeper about who he is and something deeper about what he has done. Jesus is the new gardener. Jesus is the new gardener. I think John wanted us to see this. That Jesus is the new gardener. Let let me show you where I get this idea. Why is he a new gardener and not just a gardener? Well, you see that Jesus is often called the second Adam or the new Adam. This, This book, the Bible, it starts with a story. Some of you read it before. Some of you have held a Bible before. And if you open up to the first page, you'll find a story. A story about a God who created all things. And a story about a God who created the garden. And in uh, Genesis chapter 2, in verse 8, it says these words. It says, then the Lord God planted a garden. I find it kind of interesting, actually. Jesus is not just a gardener, but God's a gardener, apparently. He planted a garden in the Eden in the east. And there he placed a man that he made. And the Lord made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground and trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God placed the man in the garden in Eden to tend and watch over it. And no matter what you believe about this story, I do believe that John is pointing back to it. He's trying to teach us something about who Jesus is. He's trying to point us to the fact that Jesus is the new gardener because Adam was a gardener. His job was to be a caretaker of creation, to cultivate the garden, to tend and watch over it. But as the old story goes, and perhaps you've heard this, he failed at his task. Rather than watching over it and tending it to it as he should have, he betrayed God's instruction. The story goes, he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, He betrayed God's plan, and ever since then, the scriptures tell us that sin simply means just missing the mark, and we can all miss the mark. Brokenness, destruction, chaos entered this world. Labor was difficult. Creation was wounded. Sickness and disease enter the picture. People were kicked out of the garden. And so, bring this back to our text. Now, thousands of years later, Jesus is mistaken as a gardener. I don't think this is a mistake. He is fulfilling all that the first gardener, Adam, was supposed to be and do. He is restoring all that was undone. He is making all things new. Look at what N.T. Wright says. N.T. Wright, professor, theologian, speaker. In his commentary on John, he says, this is the new creation. He's talking about John 20, this garden. This is the new creation, and Jesus is the beginning of it. Remember Pilate? He said, behold the man. This is what Nathan spoke about last week. Here he is, the new man, the new Adam, the gardener, charged with bringing the chaos of God's creation into new order, into flower into fruitfulness. He has come to uproot the thorns and the thistles and replace them with blossoms and harvests. I believe this text subtly trying to help us to see this beautiful picture that Wright is painting for us. Don't miss it. Jesus is the new Adam. He is the new gardener and in him is life. He has come to make all things new. Paul uh, who who hated Christians, murdered Christians, encountered the risen Jesus. Writes these words about Jesus in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse twenty-one. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now through the resurrection of the, the now the resurrection of the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, we're from his ancestry, we're from his line. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. You see, there is a old gardener and there's a new one. And for those of us who belong to identify with him, there is death. But to those of us who place our faith, our trust, our hope in Jesus, we find new resurrection life because of this event. Are you looking for new life? It's found through the resurrection of Jesus. Do you want to see all things renewed? in this world, in this planet. It is found in Jesus. Are you looking for hope beyond the grave? Behold Jesus, the gardener who will make all things new. I love the way Wright put it, charged with bringing chaos of God's creation into new order. Isaiah 55 verse 13, the prophet Isaiah speaking of this salvation that was to come, he described it this way, instead of the thorn bush shall come up the juniper, instead of the briar shall come up the, the myrtle. I, I want us to see these images. It says instead of the thorn bush shall come up the juniper, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. This is what God has come to do, to take the things that are broken, to take the things that are chaotic, to take the things oh, that are just laborious and hard and difficult, to remove them in order that new life may come up. I think of a time, a number of years ago, I went to Hawaii and I went, I, Jessica and I went and her sister was a professor at the University of, of Hawaii uh, and, uh, and she, she's really uh, environmentally minded, and she works with, uh, with indigenous peoples. She does a lot of teaching on these subjects. And we arrive in Hawaii, and I'm looking forward to the beach, of course, right? The beach, the, wa- the water. I love swimming in those waves and just the warm temperature and all that kind of stuff. We take one of those red-eye, like, overnight awful flights. We arrive, and the first thing we do resembled more closely a mission strip than it did the beach, okay? We had to put on our work clothes and we were actually taken to a location, a site that, that had kind of been uh, destroyed. And a site where, where these invasive species began to grow up, these mangroves began to overgrow and, and to choke out and to take up space that the indigenous species once did in this area. And so we're there with machetes, chopping down mangroves, throwing them into fires, breathing in, you know, the smoke. And I thought, this is not the way I expected my Hawaii vacation to start. But her philosophy was kind of this, you need to give back to Hawaii before you take from it. This is what Jesus has done. He came into the world to remove the mangroves of our life. The things that are taking up space, the things that are choking us out, the things that entangle us, the things that that block us from the source of life, the things that stop us from sprouting up and having new life, the sin that so easily entangles us. He came to remove all of that and to make all things new. And we can believe this is true. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus in this new garden, we see that Jesus is beginning the process of restoring all things and making all things new, friends. Do you believe this? But in this new garden, there's not just a new gardener, but there's a new Eve. There's not just a new Adam, there's a new Eve. Mary, in many ways, and let me help you to see this, becomes the new Eve, We see this first when Jesus calls her out by name. Mary, it's me. You know when someone you love or someone you know, someone who you've heard their voice time and time again, they call your name, something in your mind just kind of perks up. As a parent, you almost get superpowers hearing your kids call your name. Mom, dad, right? You can hear it across the house, across the room. Mary hears her name. See, Jesus, like a well-educated gardener. (laughs) You know, well-educated gardeners, like gardening fanatics, they know the names of all the plants in their garden. They love to do this. They love to take you on tours of their garden and tell you all the names of the various plants. Oh, this is a rose. This is, you know, this is ivy. Oh, this is a white rose. This is a daisy. (laughs) I'm sure the gardeners could name the flowers here. Jessica's grandfather uh, had a garden plot in Burnaby, and he also had a garden up on his, his patio in his apartment, and he would love to take us on tours and show us his, his flowers and show us all the different plants, and he'd love to tell us their names. See, Jesus is like a gardener. He knows the names of all the flowers. He doesn't just call it flower, he, he knows it by name specifically, re- closely. In the first garden, when God called out, he, he called out and he, he, he was just calling the man, woman. But in this garden, we see he calls her by name, Mary. Mary, it's me. You see, Mary is, hears her name. She responds, Mary. In the same way that Jesus called his friend Lazarus by name, and he came out of the grave and into new life. Jesus calls Mary by name, Mary. And she turns her face away from the tomb and towards the garden. She turns her face away from death and despair and sorrow and towards the gardener. This is another picture that John is painting, another point that he's trying to draw our attention back to that first garden. You see, in the first garden, when God called out to them, They hid. They hid from him. They they were ashamed. They They were afraid. But in this garden, when Jesus calls her by name in a personal way, Mary, she does not hide. But she turns to him. I believe that God might be calling some of your names this morning. Can you hear it? I forgot. Deborah, Rachel, Allison. He's calling you, Leslie. Can you hear him? He wants to speak to your soul, to your heart. He wants you to know that he knows you by name, my friends. And the question for us is this. This Easter, as we hear him calling, will we hide or will we turn to him? Will we hide or will we turn to him? We see the new Eve. She doesn't hide. She turns to him. She turns to him. She looks at him. She says, Rabbi, my friend, my teacher. She clings to him. She clings to him. Friend, the invitation for you and for me is this. For us, as we begin to hear God whispering to our souls that we too would turn to him. And anyone can turn. Even a child can turn. Even from a young age, they can turn their gaze. They can turn their attention. They can behold. And friends, you can turn. He's not asking much of you. He's not requiring much of you. He's saying, just turn to me. But you see, Mary, she undoes the work of her great-great-grandmother in more than one way. She doesn't just hide and turn to him, but she also brings forth the message. Gregory the Great, he was a pope in the Catholic Church in the 5th the and 6th century, 6th and 7th century, he helped me to see this. This profound reality of what Mary is undoing. He says this in one of his homilies. So the sin of mankind is buried in the very place when sin came forth. For whereas in paradise the woman gave the man the deadly fruit, now a woman from the sepulcher, that is the tomb, announced life to men. A woman who had early delivered the words of the serpent who slew us. A woman now delivers the message of him who raises us from the dead. Mary writes the wrongs of her ancestry. She brings forth a life-giving message to the men. He says to her, Mary, go. Go and tell them that I have risen from the grave. Go and tell them that I have not yet ascended to my God and your God, my father and your father. Go and tell them, Mary. Go and bring them life. Go and bring them hope. Go and bring them this good news of the resurrection that I am alive, that I am not dead. And she goes forth and she says, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. And she brought him, brought them his message. You see, in, the very, in this garden, on the very first Easter, it is a woman who brings forth the Easter message. It is a woman who preaches the very first Easter message. This good news, that Jesus is alive. A profound reality and one for us to think through. Jesus is alive, I've seen the Lord. And so friends, this Easter, if we place our trust in the new Adam, if we, upon hearing our name be called, turn to him, if we receive this life-giving message that Mary proclaimed as a witness in John, here's the profound thing, and one more look back to the garden. God will walk with us again. God will walk with us again. G.K. Chesterton an author Christian apologist he says this on the third day the friends of Christ coming at daybreak to he says coming to daybreak to place found the grave of, was empty and the stone was rolled away and in varying ways they realized new wonder the world had died that night and what they were looking at was the first day of the new creation with a new heaven and a new earth, and in the semblance of a gardener, God walked again in the garden, not in the cool of evening, but in the dawn. I love what he highlights for us here, in the semblance, the, the one that resembles a gardener. He walked once again. He is drawing our attention back to Genesis. You see, because of the first gardener's sin, because of it, in Adam and Eve's sin, they were kicked out of the garden, and they were said that they could not They could not dwell in that place with the Lord any longer. But in this garden, something has changed. Because of Jesus, the new Adam's obedience to go to the cross and die for our sins. Because of the resurrection, declaring that he was who he said he was. God could freely walk in the garden with human beings once again. He was God with us. We were no longer banished from his presence. There was no longer a curtain between us. We don't need to hide. The death and resurrection of Jesus removed the barrier between us and God so that we can walk with God in the garden, so that we can have relationship with God. You, relationship with God, unhindered. God wants to walk with you again, like he did Mary that day. To walk with you, to talk with you, to get to know you, not just in a metaphorical sense, but in a literal and yet mysterious way. When we receive Christ, he is God with us. He dwells within us. He walks with us. Remember that old poem, Footprints? talking about how God walked with us every step in the way. Well, God, I I never saw your footprints in the sand. Where were you? I only saw one set of footprints, and it says it was in those times, the most challenging times, that I actually carried you. This is our God's desire to walk with you, to talk with you, to carry you, to love you, to give you new life, to restore and make all things new. This is what happened At Easter, profound and deep truths. And we so easily could have missed it. But I'm grateful that God revealed it. Today, as you walked into church, if you walked through the front doors, you noticed a a circle, a large circle, covered in greenery. This wasn't just Easter decor. But it was pointing to something deeper that we pray and I've been praying would take place in your life and our lives. That we would be a people who would walk out of the tomb and into the garden. That we would be a people who'd walk out of death and into life. That we, like Mary, upon hearing our name would turn our faces from the tomb and towards the gardener. From the grave to the garden. This was my hope. This is my prayer that you would meet, that you would see the gardener of your soul who wants to care for you, who wants to cultivate you, who wants to walk with you, who wants to restore you. The one who wants to make all things new. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the band up, to, uh, up here to sing with us we're going to respond to this word. Thank you, Jesus, (laughs) that you are not a God who is far away, but a God who is close. And I can sense you in the room right now. You're moving. You're working in people's hearts and minds. I pray this morning, Jesus, that we would see you, the new gardener. Not just an interesting idea found in a text but truly we would encounter you the gardener of our souls who loves us who cares so deeply about us that you would come among us that you would die for us and that three days later you would rise for us declaring to us that for those of us who belong to you and put our faith in you that we too can have new life I pray for my friends who are here today I pray that they would be hearing their name just a whisper in their souls this Easter Sunday. And that they, Lord, maybe for the hundredth time or for the first time, would turn to you, would look at you, would declare you are my Lord. I put my trust and my faith in you. And so if this is the prayer of your heart, this morning, this is something that you want to do once again. You want to turn from the grave and towards the gardener. You can just pray in your heart. You can just talk to God. Share your desire for this new life with him. Ask him that he would grant you eternal life. Jesus, thank you for Easter. Because you live, we can know we have new life. Because you live, we can know that you love us. Because you live, we can face even the greatest challenges that come our way. Because you live, we can declare with believers all over the world, he has risen, is risen indeed thank you for Easter Jesus we want to respond now with singing about the new thing that you might be doing in our hearts and our souls I pray these things in Jesus name and everyone said amen thanks for listening to this message if you've been listening to our sermons but you're not a part of a church community we would love to have you join us You can go to cachurch.ca slash railcity to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of C.A. Church.